0: it appears that there's a distinction between people who say, I am a Christian, I'm a follower of God, and people who are deliberately, intentionally called by his name. Whose name are we called by? Young man, does God have hold of your life? Young woman, does God have hold of your life? I want to be helped to decide by the power of God not to be ordinary. When I was when I was doing my notes for this and looking at it, I almost almost wanted to just run around and preach this running around and stamping around because it's just amazing stuff. So we're going to read this in order as it turns up here in Second Chronicles, chapter seven, verse 14. This is what it says. If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven Forgive their sins and heal and restore their land. Now, I just want to look at the first part of this. Right at the beginning um, of of the order of what it says here. It says, if, and we talked about that last week, if. It appears that we have a choice whether we do this or not. In the the sovereignty of God and, and, and in the free will of man, there's this tension. And it appears that here we have a choice. If my people that are called by my name. Now, that almost sounds as if it's the same thing. My people called by my name. And it sounds like there's a bit of built-in redundancy there. My people, that identifies who he's talking to, right? I mean, straight away, you don't need to go any further to narrow it down, to, to say who he's actually talking to. This is God in response, re, talking in response to Solomon's prayer from chapter six. And, and he says, if my people. And, and I, like I say, that that's an identifier of who he's actually talking to. In fact, way back in Joshua chapter two, uh, verse, 11, uh, verse eight to 11, even Rahab, the hooker, Rahab, the prostitute, identifies that she knows who God's people are. Because she says this to, to a couple of the people who were who are in the city of Jericho. They're about to attack it. And she says this, she said, our hearts melt with fear when we think of you, God's people. We know what you did to the other kingdoms that you invaded. And we heard the rumours about how you have walked through a sea on dry land. How God did that for you. And, and we know that your God is the sovereign God of hosts. So no wonder our hearts melt with fear within us. That's what she says. She's, she's the prostitute from the city. And even she knows who it means to be My people, God's people. But here, it doesn't just leave it like that. It says, if my people called by my name, called by my name, if my people called by my name. And it appears, it appears because of the double use of this, that there's a distinction between people who say, I am a Christian, I'm a follower of God. Um, and people who are deliberately, intentionally called by his name. Now, that's, that's, that's quite an incredible thought right there. People called by his name. Now, now what does it mean uh, to be called by his name? And, and what is his name? Now, in I want to read a part of the Bible to you. New Testament. Ephesians chapter 4, and this is what it says. And we'll go from verse 21. This is what it says Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and the former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy, or in some, in some um, translations, holy, righteous and true. And then he goes on to say this. If you're going to be holy, righteous and true, um, stop lying. If you're going to be true, stop telling lies. That's what he says. And then in verse 28, he says this. If you're a thief, stop stealing. Why? Because you want to be righteous, holy, righteous, and true. And then it says this way down in verse 30. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of of redemption. And it says, get rid of bitterness and anger and all those things. But he has identified you as his own. Why? Called by his name. And I have a question for you, for me. Whose name are we actually called by? Because it's not talking about a denomination or a church name. It's talking about whose name are you called by? And there's an intensity in this. There's a, there's a power in this. There's a called by my name-ness in this. And it seems to me that there's an intensity and intentionality about this that we often lose in the church today. Like, it's, it's not just a mere a mere following on a Sunday morning of a a thought of Christianity. This is deliberately identifying with the person who in second, in in Philippians chapter two and verse nine says, has the name above every single name. And that's the name that we are called by. That's the intensity of, that is he's used here. This There used to be a time years and years ago. When missionaries would use the phrase. That I was called by God to go to a certain place. Now this was in the days before you could just jump on a plane. And be halfway around the world. In 8 to 14 hours. This, this was in the days before you could get the whole way around the world in two days. These missionaries who responded to the call of God on their life would often say goodbye to their families, never knowing whether they were ever going to see them again and head off to darkest continents. Called and constrained by the name that is above every name. This is the name that's talked about in Exodus uh, chapter 3 and verse 14, where where Moses is confronted by God and, and God gives him a job, And Moses says to him, well, well, who do I say, uh, who do I answer and what what name do I give when people say, well, which God has told you to do these things? Who do I say? And and God says to him, tells them, I am what I am. I am the constant in a shifting universe, in a culture that seems to have lost its moral compass. The name that is above every name. That I am that I am is the only fixed constant in the cosmos. And he says, that's the name that we are called by. and That's the intensity in this. My people called by my name. You know, I was reminded of this. Um. A little while back when I was listening to one of my old pastors preach some of his old sermons that are online and, and, and things and, and was listening to him and, and he was talking about his friend, Andrew. Now, my old pastor, who is has who graduated to heaven now, that's the terms that he used to use. One day I'll graduate to heaven and he's graduated to heaven now. And he was talking about his friend, Andrew, who, who was an intense man. Now, now, my old pastor, when he used to preach, his name was Warwick. And he, when he used to preach, he was an incredible orator and it would get quite worked up about things. And, and the, the Holy Spirit would be big in him and, and he and he would really struggle to communicate the passion that he held for following God. And sometimes when he would run out of words, he would just, he would go like that and he would crunch his And and purse his lips and then he'd go like this, and he thought, Oh, okay, something's coming. And so and he would talk about his friend Andrew, and Andrew had fearsome eyebrows, like really big bushy eyebrows, and he would stare at you in these fearsome eyebrows. And he would look at you and he'd say, Young man, has God got a hold of you? And you didn't dare hesitate really. Andrew and Warwick both lived their lives by the maxim um, that's in Matthew chapter chapter 5 and verse 37 where it's where it says uh, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be men of your word. So young man has God got a hold of you? Yes. Yes he has. Will you go for him? Will you go where he sends you? You should look at those fearsome eyebrows and go, yes, yes, I'll go. And then he said this to me one day. Young man, has God got a hold of your life? Yes, he has. Will you go where he sends you? Yes, I will. And then he said this. Will you go? Will you come with us even if we don't come back? Hmm. Called... By his name, will you come with us even if we don't come back? Ooh, what a thought. He said this to me, one day. he said, all you need is the Holy Ghost. It's the language he used, the Holy Ghost, your Bible and a passport. We'll take care of the rest. Do you want to come? We wobbled all the way around Eastern Europe and Russia in, in a, in a, in a Soviet-era car, which is bizarre, really, because... The Soviet Union at that time was declared as an atheist nation, and, but their cars only worked if you prayed and fasted over them. It was just bizarre. So, so we wobbled all around Eastern Europe, preaching in different small little towns and villages, secret service people sitting down there, um, not secret service, secret police people sitting down there, writing down what we said and what we sung, but following us around. And great adventure. Why? Called. By his name, Andrew and and Warwick used to describe themselves as rabble rousers for the kingdom, which is a great thought, really, isn't it? Rabble rousers for the kingdom, surrounded by angry young men who wanted to see the world changed. Changed by the kingdom of God and the passion that came with being called by the name that is above every name. Philippians chapter two verse nine, given a name that is higher than any other name, and that is the name that we are called by. Not, not called, um, not not called to some cheap form of Christianity sold in this soft-spoken marketplace of religion not not called to a vague philosophical notion of religiosity not 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 called to pseudo spirituality not not called to race or nation or culture but called by a name that is above every name called by his name my people Called by my name. Ready and willing to surrender your comfort zone to follow being called by his name. The I am. The unmovable, the, the constant. My name. Called by my name. There's there's an old man in England, was an old man in England. His name was Smith Wigglesworth. And he said this once. He said, I want to help you to decide by the power of God to not be ordinary. I want to help you to decide by the power of God to not be ordinary. That's what being called by his name is. Not being ordinary, not being run of the mill, not being like everybody else, but you're called by his name. And I keep saying that over and over again because it's just burning in me being identified with the one who in Revelation 19 and verse 16 is described as wearing a robe in the heavenly realms. And across the robe is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And down his thigh, the strongest, most powerful muscle in the human body, down his thigh is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Being called by that name And my question again is whose name are we called by Whose name young man does god have hold of your life young woman does god have hold of your life whose name are we called by if my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray. I want to be called by the name that's above every name. I want to be helped to decide by the power of God not to be ordinary. What an incredible thought. Helped by the power of God not to be ordinary. Whose name are we called by today? It's not a denomination. It's not a church affiliation. It's not a membership. It's accepting the fact that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords has called my name. And he's waiting for an answer see if I will commit to him. Why? Because he is committed to me. He's committed to me and to you, and he's committed to saving the human beings on this earth, and he asks for us to commit ourselves to him. If my people, called by my name, be called by his name today, I pray. In the name of Jesus, stay safe. Bless
1: you.
2: In the midst of uncertainty, our faith can struggle. Our walk becomes labored. Our heart, heavy. There's something about the unknown which seems to weaken us. It drains our patience and blurs our focus. Yet in the middle of everything stands a faithful God, a God who's not swayed by the struggle, who isn't moved by the winds of chaos, a God who remains faithful even when our faith is fragile. It seems more difficult than ever to not worry about tomorrow. Yet that's exactly what God has asked us to do. For when we cast our burdens on Him, the troubles of the moment begin to fade. When we trust the plans He has for us, our fear begins to subside. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, our focus becomes consumed by clarity. Yes, we are in the midst of uncertainty, but we can be certain of one thing, God is faithful. And that is more than enough for tomorrow.